welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Gaming and their dogs. It is episode 89, day 172 here in the Zen Room. My name is Patrick Finn and I am here with the ludicrous Tommy Gibbons. Hey, bitches. How are you today, Tommy? It should be warmer for 172. Why? Because it's the middle of June. Well, it's not only the middle of June. Today is summer solstice. The first day of summer. Yeah, and it's been kind of chilly. Yeah, it's been more spring-like weather today. And for day 171. But that's right, because in a month from now, you'll be complaining about how fucking hot and humid it is. That's for sure. So enjoy this cool weather while we can. I suppose. Yeah. So everything else is good? Everything else is fine. Yeah? Do anything exciting this past week? Nope. No? Nothing? nothing. Nothing. No. Oh, I'm sorry to What'd hear that. Do? We saw a production of the play The Shape of Things at South Shore Theater Experience. Okay. What were the shapes? It's a play. Well, it's not one of my favorite plays, probably because none of the characters are very likable. Who wrote it? Neil LeBute. Neil LeBute. I'm sorry. Neil LeBute. Yes. Okay. But it was a good production, a good performance of it. Okay. For a play that I'm not a big fan of. And, of course, our very own Avery Bryce Dallas Howard Powell was in it. Was he? Yes, he was. He was good? Yes, he was. He uh, was very good. good. You'd almost believe he was straight. No. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. And, yeah, aside from that, and we finally started rehearsals for uh, the production of The Tempest I'm going to be in this summer. Tempest is Shakespearean comedy. Yes. About the, a boat. It's his last play. Crash. Yes, but his boat crashing on an island. Yes. It's been, uh, this is like what my fourth or fifth Shakespeare play I've done. And this one I have found to be the most difficult on memorizing the lines. I can't wait to hear why. Because it's probably the most poetic of Shakespeare's plays, the, the language that he uses in this. And so I'm like coming across sentences that are like eight, nine, ten lines long. Oh, dear. And it's a single sentence. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a real challenge of memorizing this. This has been the toughest so far that I've done. Okay. Well, yeah. good luck to you. Thank you very much. What part are you playing? I am playing the part of Prospero. Prospero. The exiled duke who's on the island where the ship crashes. Not Prospero? No, it's Prospero. 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 He, he's an exiled duke? Yes, who lives on the island. With his daughter, Miranda. Miranda. Yes. Okay. And he's a magician also. Oh, that's where the hilarity comes in. The hijinks the ensue. The hijinks, okay. Hence the ship crashing on right. the island. Yeah, you need to get people on that island for hijinks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, him and his daughter doing hijinks. <laughs> Ain't so high. Maybe some low jinks. <laughs> Maybe. 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 Shall we move on to our very first segment then? Sure. Mm. <laughs> Yes, it's time for a little heavy petting. Yeah. And being that today is the first day of summer, I figure we could talk about dogs and heat stroke. Oh, good. Something educational and, and exactly. public Exactly. Wonder if that'll work in court. Can't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Has your dog, Louie, ever suffered from heat stroke? No, he has not. No, that's very fortunate. It is very fortunate. I've had some close encounters with Abigail last summer. I would take her out during the day thinking it was 
cool enough and it really wasn't because it was so humid and she'd be like would actually like just like stop dead in a shady spot lay there for like 30 seconds and then get up and she was panting a lot it's like yeah we're going back inside yeah it's hot yes but for those of you at home with dogs if you wonder if your dog has heat stroke look for the following signs excessive panting okay. because panting is how they call themselves okay but sometimes it's hard to tell what excessive i guess it doesn't go ahead also dry gums dry gums yes accelerated heart rate excessive drooling or salivation lethargy weakness unsteadiness on their feet collapse or seizures or tremors okay seizures are never good no they are not so they advise that you should keep your dog on those very hot days in an air-conditioned or fanned area with plenty of ventilation to keep cold water available at all times for your dog. And if necessary, you co- use cold towels on your dog to help keep them cool. Like a compress. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the back of their neck. They also say, especially when you're out walking your dog, you should avoid hot surfaces. Right. As that will burn the dog's paws. And you should avoid walking during the hottest part of the day, which is usually between 11 and 3, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. It's 10 to 2. I'm just going to say... 10 to 2? 10 to 2. Yeah. Oh, okay. And also, there are cooling aids available, such as mats and vests that you can get for your dog now, too. Right. You just turn the hose on it. Oh, you can do that, too. Yep. <laughs> so those are our tips about looking for heat stroke in your dog. Yeah, make sure you find it. Yes. Treat it. Yes. Ice. Right. We now move on to our Dictionary of Dogs, our canine compendium. And we are up to the letter G. G. And this one's French. Okay. Garcon de good boy. No, but good no. guess. <laughs> A French G. Yes. Uh, I don't know. It's a dog called the Gascon saint Gaston. Gascon? Gascon. Gascon. saint oh. Central Drow. <laughs> Saint-Onjoie. Saint-Onjoie. Yes. Gascon Saint-Onjoie. All uh, right, uh, okay. Would you care to see a picture of the Gascon Saint-Onjoie? Yes, I would. Is that it? That is the Gascon Saint-Onjoie. That looks like every fucking English setter I've ever seen. Well, it's a breed of dog of the Centown type, originated in France. It's used for hunting in packs. There are two varieties. There is the Grand Gascon Saint-Onjoie and the Petit Gascon Saint-Onjoie. The Grand one is 26 to 28 inches tall. The Petit is 22 to 24 inches tall. So it's really not that small. It's smaller than the Grand one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a lean and muscular body, long legs, long droop, drop ears, and the eyes are dark chestnut. Okay. I like that description of your eye color, dark chestnut. Not walnut. Nope, chestnut. Chestnut. The color of the coat is white with black patches and sometimes speckled or tickled with black. Tickled. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, tickled. Or they say ticked. I said tickled. Whatever. But the dog is noted for its good nose, its excellent voice, and a beautiful gallop. And it is the, the Grand Gascon saint is used for hunting big game, including wild boar, deer, and sometimes gray wolf. And the Petit Gascon saint is sometimes used for big game, but mostly for small game like rabbit. Yeah, squirrels. Yep. Shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the story of the Gascon saint Okay. What a mouthful. It looks like an English setter. 
So it just reminds me of a hound dog. I mean, look at the face on that. Yeah. He's big. Yes, he is. Anyway. I like him big. We would normally move on to today's birthdays, but there weren't any big birthdays I thought worth noting today. All right. Excellent. I knew that would make you happy. I don't have to listen to those fucking kids. (laughs) No, you do not. No, I do not. But you do have to listen to this. Yes, it's time for Bring Out Your Dead. Who wouldn't want to hear that? <laughs> Who died? We had two deaths this week. Oh, good. First one died on June 16th, 2023. While employed by the Rand Corporation, in 1971, he released the Pentagon Papers, a top-secret Pentagon study of U.S. government decision-making in relation to the Vietnam War. Okay. And he released it to the New York Times, the Washington Post, and other newspapers. Oh, I bet they didn't like that. No, because it revealed that the government knew that the war could likely not be won. Right. This man's name was Daniel Ellsberg. Ellsberg. Yes. Good for him. And in 1973, he was charged under the... I was just going to say, how much time did he do? Well, he was charged under the Espionage Act of 1917, along with charges of theft and conspiracy. But because of government misconduct and illegal evidence gathering, all charges were dismissed against him in May of that year. See what happens? Yes. But as a result of him giving this, an appellate court ordered the... New York Times to hold further publication. And so this went all the way to the Supreme Court, and in a case called the New York Times versus the United States, the Supreme Court said that the paper had a right to release to uh, print the documents. So it did. And in the meantime, Ellsberg released it to other newspapers. Of course. In September of 1971, there was a unit called the White House Plumbers that included G. Gordon Liddy and Howard Hunt. Yes. And they broke into Ellsberg's psychiatrist's office, hoping to find embarrassing information on him to discredit him. But they didn't find anything. But they also had various other proposals to deal with him, including killing him, incapacitating him physically, and lacing his soup with LSD before he spoke at a charity dinner. Wow. But they didn't go through on all of that. Here is something I didn't know. In May of 2021, the New York Times reported that Ellsberg released classified documents revealing the Pentagon in 1958 drew up plans to launch a nuclear attack on China amid tensions over the Taiwan straight and he recently he released them in 2021 because he was concerned about the tensions between the u.s and china over taiwan so that was something i didn't know yeah well it's not surprising no he just held on to him for all this time but but there's nothing surprising in the information the u.s had battle plans against china yes nuclear battle plans against china okay don't they now well no because right now officially we have what they call the one china policy in which we officially recognize that Taiwan is a part of China, but unofficially we're still recognizing it as separate from China. Okay. We talk about the Pentagon Papers. Yes. This, is sep- this was separate from the Pentagon I Papers. I know, but it's, it's, it's the same people. The Pentagon probably has fucking plans to invade and blow up every country, you know. Right. But don't forget, imagine if he released these in 73, you may never have had Nixon going to China then. God knows the benefits that that brought. Well, actually, it did. That formalized better relations with China at that time. Right. 
That was right. a big move when when Nixon did that. Yeah, I, I, I remember reading so about it. That could have been jeopardized by Ellsberg releasing this, these these documents. But he that saw time. that he saw that, and so he didn't release them until until much two later, years ago when things got better, then they got worse, and now they're where they're at. Yes, is he still alive? No, he died on June sixteenth at the age of nineteen of ninety two oh, okay. from pac- pancreatic cancer. Oh shit, that shit'll take you fast. Yes, it will. So to Daniel Ellsberg, rest in peace. It's like that other guy who's the other guy who's like, in, he's, he's um in exile in in Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden. Yes, Ellsberg was actually a supporter of what Snowden did. Yeah, yeah, I am too. Okay, we now move on to our next decedent. Let's see if you know who this is. They're dead now. So what difference is there? Well. She is one of the few performers to achieve the American Triple Crown of Acting, having won two Academy Awards, three Emmy Awards, and a Tony Award. She was also a member of uh, the United Kingdom's Labour Party and served as a member of Parliament from 1992 to 2015. Helen Mirren. Nope. She won the Academy Awards for Best Actress, one for the 1970 film Women in Love, and one for the 1973 film of Touch of Class. Okay. She won two Primetime Emmy Awards for her portrayal of Queen Elizabeth I in the BBC series Elizabeth R. And she won a Tony Award for Best Actress in a Play for her role in the revival of the Edward Albee play Three Tall Women in 2018. Her name? Glenda Jackson. Glenda Jackson died? Yes, she did. The age of 87. Okay. I always re- I always remember for which I she didn't know I didn't know she was in the original production of the Marat Sad. Okay. Uh, which for those of you who don't know, it's I could say the whole long title. I think it's called the Persecution and Assassination of Jean Paul Marat, as performed by the inmates of the asylum at Charenton under the direction of the Marquis de Sade, shortly known as the Marat Sade, and she played the role of the inmate playing Charlotte Corday who is the assassin of Jean-Paul Marat. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird play, <laughs> but I love it. Okay. Well, who died? That was Glenda Jackson. Glenda Jackson yes, died. Yes, the age of 87. Wow, Glenda Jackson. So to Ms. Jackson, rest in peace. Thank you for your service. You know what that song needs? What does that song need? Lyrics. <laughs> Sorry you're dead. Yes, we're sorry that you're dead. Real better lyrics. <laughs> hey, I'm working off the cuff here, okay? Give me a break. Now I know why you plan everything down to the nth degree. Nth. 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 We now move on to our next segment. Today in history. Hatch and the coconuts. And today in history, on June 21st, 1984, this David Rabe play opened off-Broadway called Hurley Burley. Okay. Are you familiar with the play? I am not. It's a play that takes place in the 1980s, and cast of characters are like all Hollywood types. Okay. And hijinks ensue. Okay. Uh, the play eventually, after 45 performances, then transferred to Broadway, uh, where it received three Tony nominations, and one actress received the Tony for Best Featured Actress in a Play. Do you know her name? Judith Ivey. Judith 
Ivy. But let me read to you who else was in this cast. Okay. It was Judith Ivy, William Hurt, Harvey Keitel, Christopher Walken, Jerry Stiller, Cynthia Nixon, and Sigourney Weaver. Wow. That's an amazing cast. Yeah, for real. I'm like, oh my God. I wish I could have seen that. Yeah. Right? You could have. I could have too, but I was ignorant. What could I say? Linda Jackson died. Yeah, yes, we know that yeah. was a while ago. We discussed that. Now we're talking up. about this play. Try to keep up. Yes, talking about this play, Early Burley. Okay, Early Burley. That opened back in 1984. What's it about? The play, I mean. It's about this group of Hollywood types. I think one's a director, a couple of uh, people who all work in Hollywood. And some are having affairs, and some are not, and some are married. And it's a very, from what I heard, a very cynical, misanthropic play. Okay. I like it. I figured I'd be right up your alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's one of my drag names. Misanthropic. Misanth- no, misanthropic. Well, misanthrope. Yeah. <laughs> of course it is. We now move on to our next segment. What day is it? Could you please tell me? What day is it? I'm confused, you say. It's time for What Day Is It? And of course, lifeguard. <laughs> no. International Day to Appreciate. Velcro. No. One more guess. Okay, the day of the onion ring. No, sadly no. No. The onion ring needs a day. I'm sure it has one. It must. People love onion rings. But today is World Giraffe Day. Giraffes. How many giraffes do you figure are alive in the world? Now? Yes. 50,000. No, you're a little bit more than that. Only 111,000. Okay. But still a low figure. Yeah, that's not a lot of giraffes. Uh, according to what I've been reading, in areas where there used to be like prime giraffe habitats, the populations have dropped by 95%. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not really good. No. Did you know giraffes are typically... Not a giraffe. Yeah, exactly. Giraffes are typically... building tip- a new strip mall, though. What's that? If you're building a new strip mall... Yeah. What's a giraffe? What are you talking about? I'm talking about the uh, the expansion of humanity onto the natural habitats of these animals. Yes. Causing their destruction and their extinction and there being only a hundred something thousand of them left in the world. Yes. I was trying to be a little more concise. You were being more oblique. Oblique. Okay, we'll go with oblique. <laughs> that works. Oblique. But giraffes are usually about 14 to 20 feet tall and weigh between 1,600 and 3,000 pounds. Damn, a 3,000 pound, 20 foot tall giraffe? Yep. Should have fucked you up. A full grown giraffe eats more than 100 pounds of leaves and twigs per day. And they say it's the paper industry that's ruining the forest. <laughs> Did you know giraffe tongues are 20 to 21 inches long? Oh, what I could do with a tongue like that. <laughs> the damage. And did you know that giraffes sleep less than two hours per day? And no. that when they do sleep, it's with their feet tucked under them and their head resting on their hindquarters. But they can also sleep standing up for short periods of time. Is that why they're so cranky? Maybe. Although I didn't, I've never met a cranky giraffe. Have how, you? How many giraffes have you met? N- not many. How many? <laughs> Roughly. Less than a handful. Between one and two? <laughs> Maybe. That's a good number. Okay. Let the record show. And they were all quite friendly. 
Yeah, they st- they're, they're, they're supposed to be friendly and nice. Did you ever see them fight with each other? No, I've never seen that. Oh, that's freaky. Really? Yeah, they like throw their necks at each other. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I gotta look for that. Yeah, it's freaky. It's weird. That does sound weird. Yeah, it's weird. I don't like it. But there's evidently some place, I don't know, in some outback somewhere where it's a hotel in a giraffe habitat. Oh, yeah. I have saw that years ago. I saw something like that. Did they stick their heads into yeah. the bedroom. Right. And I don't like it. No giraffes in your bedroom? I don't like giraffes in my bedroom. Even with their 21-inch tongue? I don't want them... No. I don't want them sticking their head in while I'm eating my continental. You'll both breakfast. have you'll both have cuisine in common. You're both you both like greens. That's true. I enjoy green. And you enjoy a twenty one inch tongue. I wish I had a twenty one inch tongue. <laughs> I always thought my tongue was too small for my head. Like my tongue is too small for the size person that I am. Well, how long do you think your tongue should be? It should pass my lips. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Any particular reason why you think it should pass your lips? Uh, yeah, just because I'm a big person and I have an itty-bitty little tongue. I do, however, have gigantic earlobes. Yes, you do. Yes, I, I, I can verify that. You're huge. I can confirm that. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment, wherein we take a look into my briefs. And today's look, we first go to Arkansas. Arkansas. We've talked about this place a couple of times. Yes, we have, but some good news came out of there today. Good news. Yes. A federal judge yesterday in Arkansas overturned the state's law banning gender-affirming health care for children and teenagers. So this entire thing is all about what judge sits in front of. Well, every decision that's made, everything that happens depends upon what judge gets to rule on it. Because if that was before a different judge... And he could have ruled differently. He would have ruled a totally different way. So, is the law that ambiguous? Should the law be that ambiguous? Well, let me read you what the judge said in his ruling. He said that the law discriminated against transgender people and violated doctors' constitutional rights. The, The constitutional right of the doctor? Well, he noted that the governor vetoed the bill after its approval by the Republican dominated legislature, but then the legislature overrode the governor's veto. But the judge found that Arkansas officials had failed to st- substantially prove their claims that gender-affirming health care is carelessly prescribed to, to youth and that it is experimental. He said, rather than protecting children or safeguarding medical, evidence, or, uh, medical ethics, the evidence showed that the prohibited medical care improves the mental health and well-being of patients, and that by prohibiting it, the state undermined the interests it claims to be advancing. The testimony of well-credentialed experts, doctors who provide gender-affirming medical care in Arkansas, and families that rely on that care directly refutes any claim by the state that the act advances an interest in protecting children. That's a pretty strong ruling. It is. It's uh, yeah. That's pretty damn strong. Yes. Now, I'm sure the state will probably appeal... Although may not, may not be, be not, it would be their equivalent of the Justice Department in Arkansas, and being that the governor vetoed the bill, I don't know what's going to happen, whether the legislature will file an appeal on it. I don't know how that's handled. You're the lawyer. Mm-hmm, but I don't know Arkansas law or federal law, so I'm not sure how that would work. Okay. Okay. What kind of law do you know? I know New York state law, and I know the general parameters of federal law. Okay. I know constitutional law very well. Okay. Okay. Fine. 
But anyway, this is the first time that such a, that such a law banning transgender medical care has been struck down in the United States. So that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Yep. Doesn't answer my original question, though. Which was? About, about how it depends heavily on what judge it, these cases land in front of. Well, in some cases, like I said, this was brought to federal court in Arkansas. They don't have, really have much of a choice if that's where they're going to file. Right, but, but when in the choosing of the judges or in the assigning of the judges for each particular case, however it happens in whatever jurisdiction you're talking about, there's usually more than one judge. So a case this big is going to come in a big jurisdiction that has more than one judge. Right. So what is the decision-making process of what judge this case well, is in front of? Well, generally speaking, judges are generally randomly assigned to these cases. Right. And except when they're not. Except there are exceptional circumstances where the, I guess, the administrative judge or the superior judge would want a specific judge to sit on a particular case. So but that doesn't happen that often. Okay, there's always a boss judge who assigns judges what they're supposed to do. Well, no, as like I said, most of these cases are randomly assigned to these judges. By the boss judge? No, they're picked randomly. That means they pull a name out and who it says, is they? okay. Who pulls the, the name? The court clerks. Okay. Okay, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. How are these assignations made? Clerk never came in. Who knew it was the court clerk? Court clerk. Okay, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ, I'm going to pour more wine. <laughs> you do that. Ah. The clerk. The clerk. Yeah, that could that, that you could have saved us 20 minutes right there. Oh, I could have. Yeah, the clerk. Anyway, we now move on to our next big story under this segment, and that's about Justice Samuel oh. Alito. And for those of you who don't know what's going on, let me give you a short summary of it. I love these guys. There's a media publication called ProPublica, and they were doing an article on Justice Alito. Because it seems that in 2008, Justice Alito flew on the private jet of a hedge fund billionaire named Paul Singer, where they went to a luxury $1,000 a night lodge in Alaska owned by another Republican donor who did not charge him for the stay. Can I just interrupt for one second? Yes. That flight yes. was from New York? To Alaska. Well, I don't know if it was from New York. It was but from New York. Okay. To Alaska. Yes. Okay. A transcontinental flight on a private plane. Yes. Go ahead. So, Alito did not report this flight on his financial disclosures, which noted that the flight would have cost the justice more than $100,000 each way if he had chartered it himself. This little trip was organized by Leonard Leo, who's the leader of the the Federalist Society, which helps to engineer the rash of conservative judges we now have on the Supreme Court, okay. including Justice Alito. And he's the one who basically organized this little fishing vacation, and he invited this hedge fund manager, Paul Singer, to join. And then he asked Singer if he and Alito could fly on the billionaire's jet. Now, it turns out that Singer's hedge fund came before the court at least ten times since that trip, and Alito has never recused himself. So, ProPublica, before they put the story out, they contacted Alito and sent him a list of detailed questions for him to answer before they published the article. He chose not to respond. Instead, what he does, which was published, I believe, yesterday or today, 
I don't know, I think it was just today, as a matter of fact. He writes an op-ed, which is published in the Wall Street Journal, owned by conservatives' favorite billionaire, Rupert Murdoch, and tries to refute this article before it was even published. Okay. And he wrote that it was incorrect to suggest that his failure to re uh, recuse himself created an appearance of impropriety. Hold on. Yes. So the people who wrote, who researched and wrote and are going to report this article. Yes. Reached out to this man the article is about. Yes. And not flatteringly about. Yes. And says, do you do you have anything to say about this? Well, the question. They didn't just ask for a comment. They said, no, no. Here's a whole bunch of questions we'd like you to things, answer. Here are the things we're going to say. Yeah. And do you want to say something before we do? Yes. And he does not respond to them. No. Instead. He goes to an alternate media outlet. Yes. And tries to refute the article before it even comes out. I have never seen a Supreme Court justice do anything like this before. Name anybody who's done... Well, no, that's not true. Donald Trump does this shit all the time. Well, yeah. But a Supreme Court justice? I've never seen that happen before. So he uh, he continues to write that it would, have been, it would have been utterly impossible for his staff to determine all individuals associated with a hedge fund and then argued that even if I had been aware of Mr. Singer's connection to the entities involved in those cases, recusal would not have been required or appropriate. Because he's saying that when the cases came in front of him, this guy's name wasn't on it. It was the name of the company, the name of the hedge fund that was listed right. as, the, as one of the parties in these 10 separate cases. Right. And that he did not know that this guy was this company. Right. Okay. Which is information that anyone could have easily found if they just looked on the internet and did a search. Yeah, well, like somebody said... Especially when you have a friend who you know is a hedge fund manager. Yeah. You're going to, you know, you have clerks, don't you? Yeah, exactly. They, they got clerks, right? Exactly. I bet they go to Google. Yeah. But then Alito goes on to say that Singer allowed me to occupy what would have been otherwise been an unoccupied seat on a private flight to Alaska. Right. It was and is my judgment that these facts would not cause a reasonable and unbiased person to doubt my ability to decide the matters in question impartially. See, you by you th unbiased person, a reasonable unbiased person, so that anybody who who says anything uh, against or in contrary or uh, these people they already covered themselves because he's 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 not rational he's not reasonable and he's certainly not uh what do i want to say what's the word i don't know uh well it means like not oh god whatever whatever but the problem is biased the the, the problem is the number one rule for judges not just from the supreme court all the way down is a judge must avoid the appearance of impropriety. Okay. The appearance of impropriety. Right. And who judges them? Most judges, well, except for the Supreme Court, there are other judges have superior judges who can make that determination. Boss judges. But for the Supreme Court, they make that determination themselves. On an individual situation so, by situation basis. Yes. So he had to decide no. Me taking this flight. The, the flight was going anyway. They had an extra seat. They asked me to go. Yeah. So, yeah, what the hell? Right, yeah. So then I go, we fly across the fucking continent, up to Alaska, to this tiny little place. Yeah. Thousands of dollars to spend the day. 
Who paid for that? Uh, well, that was all gratis by the owner of the resort. Okay. So Alito wrote that he believed he was not required to disclose the trip. He said, when I joined the court, justices commonly interpreted this discussion of hospitality to mean that accommodations and transportation for social events were not reportable gifts. The flight to Alaska was the only occasion when I have accepted transportation for a purely social event. And in doing so, I follow what I understood to be standard practice. Now, part of the problem is, is his interpretation of the law here. Because transportation, privately paid for flights, are all reportable. He's trying to say that the private flight was one of the facilities which comes under, under the hospitality exemption. Okay. Because if a person owns the place you're staying at, let's say if he owned a vacation home and Alito was staying at that person's home, that would be considered an, exem an, an exemption under the hospitality rule. But the fact that this is a resort... Well, the fact that the resort it was one thing, but the trip, he's saying, because the, the plane was owned by Singer, and he's saying, well, that was part of the hospitality exemption. And the court rules are saying, no, it's not. Private flights have to be reported. So he says, oops, sorry, I didn't know about it, and nothing happens to Samuel Alito. He goes on to another 10 years on the Supreme Court, ruining the lives of Americans no matter where you live. Well, he goes on to say, it was my understanding that this would not impose any extra cost on Mr. Singer. Had I taken commercial flights, that would have imposed a substantial cost and inconvenience on the deputy uh, U.S. Marshals, who would have been required for security reasons to assist me. Okay, so stop. Now, this motherfucker is saying that, well, I didn't want to bother the people who work for me. I didn't want to bother the people who were supposed to protect me. I didn't want to bother. If I, you know, it was just easier for me to do this than to fucking bother those people. Now you're concerned about these people? Now you're worried about who these people, what their work they do? Well, that's what, what I love is what? like, oh, you need U.S. Marshals when you're out in on a public commercial flight when you're paying for it but you don't need u.s marshals when you're surrounded by your rich buddies when somebody at else some is resort paying, when somebody else is paying yeah. for it and it's there's nothing you could do about it because they have no they have no laws governing them and they have no oversight and part of the problem also is saying he's like well i really didn't know him all that yeah, well. yeah we've yeah, only yeah. spoken a couple of yeah, times yeah. and as one lawyer said in one article that i read if you knew him why did you take the case? Exactly. And if you didn't know him, why did you take these gifts? Good questions to ask. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. But one of the things he wrote in there, which did not inspire a lot of confidence for me in his court anymore, he wrote in there, during my time on the court, I have voted on approximately 100,000 certiorari petitions. Those are petitions to hear their cases before the court. Okay. Because the vast majority received little personal attention from the justices. Because even a cursory examination reveals that they do not meet our requirements for review. What? The vast majority of those petitions receive very little personal attention from the justices because even a cursory examination reveals they do not meet our requirements for review. So in other words, he's basically saying, we don't give a shit about your cases really, but if they meet certain requirements, we'll, maybe we'll take a look at them. And none of the nine That's of, what that sounds like. None of the nine of us are ever going to see it. Somebody on our staff is going to already pre-edit it. Yeah. So it doesn't inspire. I mean, this court stinks. It absolutely stinks. Yeah, it does. And as a lawyer, I'm just, I was outraged when I, when I read all about this. Because I mean, I spent a year in law school studying constitutional law. 
I loved reading all these Supreme Court cases and how they arrived at the decisions and everything. And to see what has happened to this court within the past 10 years, it's as corrupt as any other branch of government now. Totally corrupted. Totally corrupted. Rotting from I, the I, inside I, I mean, I feel like I am like, like one step away from just like calling for a revolution. Maggots. Because all we have now is government for the rich, by the rich, of the rich. Yeah. And I don't think it's now. I think it's this is the way it's been, but we're seeing it now. Because they're not bothering to be polite. No, they don't seem to care. They don't care? They don't seem to care. This article even pointed out that this guy Singer paid for a trip for Justice Scalia. Scalia never reported it either. Well, Scalia was away every week, wasn't he? I mean... Well, I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, it's just... How can you have... I can't even have any faith in the credibility of this court anymore. To me, it's totally shot now. Which changes nothing. You know, they're still who they are. They're still above the law. They still get to police themselves. Well, that's why the leg- That's why the Congress needs to do something. And unfortunately, that's not going to happen until the Democrats control both houses of Congress and as a Democratic president. That's what it's going to take. And God knows if we'll ever get that again. Well, we need people to vote. I know. That's the only way shit happens in America. Well, no, that's not the only way. But if you want... Listen, they proved it. They stacked the judiciary. It was a stroke of conservative genius. Of course it was. That's what they worked for for decades. And here they have it in spectacular fashion. And now the king, now the court stinks more than ever. But they got they 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 did it by this is this is this was the conservatives' revenge for the advances made by the Earl Warren Supreme Court back in the fifties and sixties. Perhaps this is the revenge for all this. Yeah, it's angry white men. Uh, being angry. So that's it for the look into my briefs. We that was now exhausting. I wasn't that. We now move on to our next segment. Yes, time once again for the week in fascism. Okay, what and you got? did you happen to see Donald Trump's interview on Fox News? I did not. Really? I did not. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I I haven't been watching much uh, television. Okay. I don't know why. Well, I I watched, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched most of it. Aside from the fact that I despise a man, he should not be president, he should be in jail. So I'm putting all that aside. After watching this interview and listening to him, I'm beginning to suspect he may have dementia. He's mentally ill. Yeah. Aside from whatever other neuroses and personality defects. I'm beginning to think he may have dementia. Medically, medically ill. Yeah. Not just like... Because he just, I he, I just can't explain the way he answered these questions. Like, you're not dealing with reality at all, you he, know? Reality is what he makes it. I guess, you know, in his mind. He's 77 years old. Yeah. It's always been that way. I, I know. Why no one's ever th- challenged him before. Why would he suspect anything <sighs> different? I know. But it's just... Listening to him, I was like, hundreds of thousands of people. No, they were 300. You know, they, everything is everything is his reality. Yep. I kind of like, I want to live that way for 20 minutes. Like, I want to know what that feels like. I want to know what that <laughs> absolute certainty about everything yeah. feels like. The fuck is that? I know. It's crazy. Exactly. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> no, he's, 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 but, but even with that, I mean, the whole narcissism thing is just... It's crazy. Yeah. 
And the fact that he just won't give up on the election lies. He won't admit that Biden won the election fair and square. He can't. And Brett Byer is like, you know, he kept saying, oh, is this and that? And Brett Byer is like, you've been to court on all this. You've been to how many courts? And they all ruled against you on this. There was no evidence of any of this. And he couldn't, he couldn't admit that. He couldn't face that. How did he dodge it? By just repeating the same lies over and over right. again. You well, know? We can prove we have evidence. We, we, the, there are people who say there are, you know, uh, yeah. Fred Byer like, gave him like, a, like a, a free question like saying, you know, you keep saying this and uh, you know, a lot of women came out against you at that time. What do you have to say to those women? And he went back to the election lies again. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's, there's definitely the more wrong with him than I think the public really knows. And he's in charge of the conversation. Yeah. Well, that's a problem. They let him have charge of the no conversation. No matter what he does, no matter what he says, he is in charge of the conversation. He he leads it all, um, even under indictment, you know, like, he's got two pretty big cases ahead of him right now. Yeah, no kidding. Already. Well, that's another thing, too. I, I judge Aileen Cannon. Sets a trial date for the whole document trial for August. No trial's going to happen in August. We're going to be lucky if this trial happens before the election. I'm betting it doesn't. Why? Because Trump's lawyers are going to ask for delays. They're still waiting for their security clearance. Right. To even review the, all the documents. Yeah. So they're going to be asking for delays, and this judge will keep granting them. And like I said, this this trial will not be heard until after the election. And for that, I blame fucking Merrick Garland and the Justice Department. They could have moved a hell of a lot fucking faster on this. There was a report in the Washington Post earlier this week about how the FBI dragged out the investigation of January 6th in the very beginning and were basically looking to avoid to implicate Trump at all in it. I'm not surprised by that. I'm horrified, but I'm not yeah, surprised. That's a, I mean, it's, it's just so frustrating dealing dealing with all this. I think there is a benefit to the way Merrick Garland conducts his business. Because I also have the feeling that because it comes out of that sort of diligence, that he's able to get 34 counts indictable. I, and I don't think it matters when that fucking trial happens. I think that that hit, that case coming out of this Justice Department is so tight. But let's say hypothetically, hypothetically, November 2024, no trial has happened yet. He gets elected president. What happens then? Well, he pardons uh, himself, which throws which would be a first also because that's never happened before. Uh, yeah, it's not. And there's no clear to, yeah. answer as to whether he can do that or not. Right, which th- which is exactly what he wants. Delays. Maybe he'll just do the right thing and die. And I'm sorry, and, and I you know I shouldn't say that over the air. I'm sure that whoever fucking hosts this podcast is going to come down and say no. But that's not what we're saying. We're just saying that. If he passed away before all this happened, it wouldn't be a bad thing. We're you not know, saying he should be he should be die he should die. We're not saying he should be killed. That's you know, not what we're you know, saying. You know who's going to get him? Atlanta. At, oh, the Georgia case, and that that indictment should be coming up soon as well. She's going to get him. And the New York trial will probably most likely occur before the election. The New York trial isn't is, is but it's it's, it's insignificant compared to the federal cases. Yeah, I, it's fabulous. Yeah. You know, because it proves financially the way he's been. Each one of them is like a different part of his personality being brought to trial for the first time. Yeah. But I think George is going to get him. Because they that phone call is damning. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's... Even the phone conversation that he taped him in, in the documents case. 
Oh, he yeah. himself on that, too. Yeah. This man can't keep his mouth shut. I feel bad for his attorneys. Almost. Well, they're not getting paid. They're not getting paid. They have no, next to no control over their clients. It's a no-win situation yeah. for them. It really is. That's bad. But we now move on to our next story. I didn't know where else to put this story, but I put it under this category. It concerns Elon Musk. Okay. This morning on Twitter, he, I guess he was having a post conversation with this anti-trans therapist who was complaining of being harassed on Twitter by trans activists and being called a cis, C-I-S, or a sissy, C-I-S-S-Y. That's not what cis means. I know, but that's what he says he was okay. being called. So Elon Musk responded that harassment is not tolerated, but then he added the words cis or cisgendered are considered slurs on this platform. Elon Musk, huh? Now, of course, this is the man who who allows his users to misgender trans people on Twitter without facing any consequences. And it goes against his whole thing of, oh, I'm going to allow free speech on Twitter. You can't. But I'm not going to allow the word cis or cisgender. Because previously on Twitter, misgendering transgender people was prohibited. Then in April of this year, that rule was removed. So you can misgender trans people gender people but you'll be punished if you call someone cis or cisgendered private company yeah private company private asshole too yeah there's nothing you could do about shit like that that's just the way it is yeah, he could decide that's like this that we had this discussion last week with you and the facebook how did that turn out with with what you and facebook oh i'll tell you more about that later All right. i'll tell you about that later because there is more to it, actually. And in our last story in this segment, a Gallup poll came out. And it found that the percentage of people who find gay and lesbian relationships to be morally acceptable has dropped in the past two years. Two years ago, 71% of the people polled found it morally acceptable. That number is now 64%. Two years ago, 51% of Americans believe that changing one's gender to be morally wrong. That number is now 55%. And 69% of Americans now say that transgender athletes should only be allowed to compete on the team that conforms with their birth gender as opposed to 62% saying that in 2021. They attribute the shift to the shift among Republicans. Yeah. Kel Supreme. This is who we hate, so <coughs> everybody gather around. But it's like, are we going to be fighting the same battles that we fought 10, 20 years ago? Yes. All over again? Yes. Then well, I, not you and me because we're old. No, but I then I wish someone would tell all these queer organizations out there that love raising money off of queer people... And then just use it for fucking lobbying and their own fucking purposes. They need to gear up to fight this, you they know? Got, they, they, they know? And they're not. Having celebrating pride one one month out of twelve months is not enough. You gotta keep yourselves visible and aggressive and attentive twelve months a year. Okay. So says you. So says me. So says So you. let it be written, so let it be done. Okay, who's writing? <laughs> Anybody got a pen? <laughs> Yeah, Patrick, you know, people get, they, they do what they can do. Well, they need there to do more. Are, there are organizations out there who are doing this work, and they're doing an uphill battle. So, you know, you gotta... I used to support the human rights campaign until like until they built this million-dollar building in D.C. Because they needed this million-dollar building, because now they're a lobbying group. Okay. And it's like, that's what you spend our fucking money on? Well, should they be working out of their mother's garage? 
I remember when what HRC used to be, and it's not what it is now. Now it's just another fucking lobbying group, like all these other fucking lobbyists. But they're on your side. Yeah, and I don't see them doing fucking much. They were able to buy a million dollar building. A million dollar building in Washington, D.C. is not a lot of money. Well, that, back then it was. This is We're talking about 10, 15 years or so ago. Okay. This is a while ago. But I was like, that's what you're doing with your money? Fuck you. You ain't getting my money anymore. I don't know. It shows that they have advanced to the point of being politically significant. And uh, like I say, you know, there's only so much work you can do around a kitchen table. I think sometimes that can be... A lot of work can be done around a kitchen table. You need to have room for your printers, your secretaries, your, you know, those people. Uh, a break room. You need a break room. Yes. We now move on to our next segment. Yes, it's time for We Like to Watch. So because I've been missing the drag queens, I've been watching the, RuPaul, the Neil Patrick Harris thing. Oh, Uncoupled. No. No. Oh, uh... Drag Me to Dinner. Drag Me to Dinner. We watched the first episode of that. Which is fun. The first, it was fun, stupid. The first episode is all you need unless you have a fetish for a particular type of party. Yeah. You're going to have a sleepover and a divorce party. and uh, but, but it's the same exact thing. And they have, um... Uh, what's his name? The drag performer. Max... Matt, no. It's a New York City area code. I can't, I, I'm totally blanking on the name. Yeah. Yeah, it'll come to me. Anyway, um, yeah, so it's all exactly the same thing. You know, it's, it's, and I've been missing drag queens, so I've uh, been watching that. Oh, cool. Some of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, been, uh, I've been paying attention to um, Queen Daniela. No, that's not right. Queen Victoria. Or Queen Charlotte, Charlotte, whatever it is. Queen Charlotte. That, yeah. uh, that Bridgerton I'm sequel. into that whole thing. You know, I think that they do a good job. Yeah, I never, you never got into those, they those do, series. They um, um, the productions are always beautiful, and and they have a sort of it's that modern sensibility that I sort of like. Plus, it's all the drama, and I'm into it. But I find that Queen Charlotte, I have to pay attention to. It's like there's more dra- there's more like injury going on, drama going on. Okay, than it is in Bridgerton, you know, in Bridgerton, you turn around when he took his shirt off. But in this one, it's like, oh. So, yeah, I've been watching that. Uh, Rachel Every Monday. Uh, not much else, really. I, I haven't been watching. Okay. I'm on my phone all the time, but I haven't been watching. Okay. That's a lot. Okay. Well, we watched a few things this week. We watched this movie, the most disturbing movie I have seen since I saw the original I Spit on Your Grave. Okay. And this was disturbing in a whole different kind of way. It's a movie called Soft and Quiet. Okay. It's so, on Netflix. All right. I have that da- I actually downloaded this movie onto my phone. Okay. Steven and I watched this movie. And the description of the movie was this group of women get together and then a, a face in the past sets off a chain of events. I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting. Let's check it out. What it is. And it starts off with this. Tall, thin, blonde woman. She's a teacher. And you can tell she does a pregnancy test, but you don't know what the results are, but you don't think they're good. And she's walking, and she has this... She runs into this jam, this custodian woman who's cleaning the school. And then she says something to this little boy who's waiting to be picked up. And it was really kind of weird. Like, what's going on here? And it's all like the handheld camera. And it's everything's happening in real time. And eventually she leaves from there and she's carrying a pie and she's walking, walking, walking. She eventually ends up at this church building where she's meeting these other women there. 
And it's like, all right, so maybe it's some kind of like women's club, whatever. And they get together, and they're up there, and she takes the pie out, and there's a swastika on the pie, cut into the pie. And she says, oh, I did that for a joke. And then they start having this meeting, and they're airing their grievances. And they show one, an erasable board and says, meeting, Daughters of Aryan Unity. They're a bunch of white supremacists. Yeah, 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 women. And what, of course, they're saying was repulsive and really hard to listen to at times. And later on, they leave the church, and they stop by this convenience store that this one woman owns and runs. And they run into these two minority women. I don't know if they're Hispanic or black. And they have an argument in the convenience store. And from there, things spiral, spiral totally out of control. And I don't want to say anything more about that, but it, I did not... In, this was not an enjoyable movie experience. Okay. There was nothing enjoyable about it at all. Wow. It was just repulsive, maybe physically uncomfortable to be sitting and watching this. It, it was really... I, I, I don't know who this movie was made for. Is it trying to expose? Oh, yes, white supremacists. They're just like ordinary people. So yeah, like, we already know that. It's a scripted movie? Yeah. Yeah, so I'd say watch this movie at your own peril. Okay. That's about all, the only thing I can say. It's uh, not good. The next movie we watched was actually a movie from 2017. It was on Netflix. That's going to be coming up called Snowman. It's a murder mystery about a serial killer in Norway. And it starred Michael Fassbender. Oh, we know you love him. Oh, love Michael Fassbender. Yes, he's a good actor. Really good actor. Good movie. I really enjoyed it. Good who done it. Although I kind of figured out who who done it beforehand. But I I was but good movie. The only thing I didn't like about the movie, they had a shot of Michael Fassbender standing in his underwear. Looks like he's wearing gray briefs or boxer briefs. But they wouldn't show him down below the waist. And I was like you're teasing us, man. You, We all know he's got a giant dick. And you're going to tease us by only going down to the waist and that's it? Well, they can't you just, suck. They can't <laughs> show his we couldn't even show an ass shot. You couldn't even show his ass in the fucking briefs. This you is know? the same person. Last week you were offended. Your gripe was about thirst traps. And here you are that you can't see Michael Fassbender's cock on stay on the movie. Yeah. Right. Two different things. <laughs> Okay. Like we were talking about how people live in their own little world in their own reality. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you think I live in my own little reality? I do. <laughs> I have to say I do. <laughs> then what are you doing here? I, I, I wish I knew. <laughs> give, me another room, uh, give me another sentence to, to rhyme. <laughs> I've been rhyming, evidently. And then lastly, last night we started watching a series on HBO Max called White House Plumbers. Okay. Which is about the unit called the White House Plumbers that was engaged by the Republican National Committee and or the White House to engage in various activities during the 1972 election campaign. So it's not a porn. It's not a porn. No, it's not. It's uh, basically, and it leads up to, of course, the Watergate break-in. Any movie with the name Plumber. If Plumber is in the title of your movie, it should be a point. <laughs> well, this movie stars Woody Harrelson as Howard Hunt. He'd be good in the point. And Justin Thoreau as uh, G. Gordon Liddy. I'm not sure if I know who Justin Thoreau is. He's, I think, with um, Jennifer Aniston. Isn't he the leader of Canada? No, that's uh, Justin... I can't think of his last name now. Trudeau. 
But anyway, the whole thing, it's it's told very tongue-in-cheek. The way, they, the way they portray it is like, how do these guys even pull off the Watergate break-in? <laughs> but it was good. I enjoy it. We probably, it's like five, I think it's like five episodes long. There's so. a movie that I'm waiting to see. Oh, what's that? No Hard Feelings. No Hard Feelings? Yeah, it's got some chick named Jennifer in it. Hold on, hold on. But some it, chick. And, hey, Andrew's. What year are you in? 1976? Andrew's in it, and that's why I'm anxious to see it. Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, yeah, she's coming back in a movie, I guess, is the one you're talking about. This is No Hard Feelings. Okay. Uh, Andrew Both Feldman is the reason why I'm excited for it. But now I'm looking at the cast, and fucking Laura Benanti is in it, Natalie Morales, Matthew Broderick. And what's the movie about? Uh, well, this is the fun part. Andrew plays a kid about to go off to college. Okay. And his parents are afraid he's not worldly enough. Okay. So they hire Jennifer Lawrence to, like, take him out and get him drunk and get him laid and, like, do all the things. Okay. Now, Andrew, was it Barth, he said? Barth. Barth Feldman. Uh, Feldman. Feldman. He's an actor, young man, who originated here on Long Island Theater. Like, very young. And then... <laughs> Had the opportunity and starred in a production, the Broadway production of Dear Evan Hansen, correct? As Evan Hansen. As Evan Hansen in the lead role. And now he's in this movie with Jennifer Lawrence. Right. And, and, and That's pretty fucking amazing. I know him because he came to the production company I was working for to do children's theater. To yeah. Do theater for kids. Okay. And I, I directed Andrew in about 15 separate productions from the time he was like eight until I left there. So, I know him very well. I, I I'm very excited for him, and I'm oh, cool. That's uh, great. I think. Yeah. Oh, it's it's great. He's he, he, the the rise is like right. Uh, that's what I mean. Yeah, from Long Island to Broadway, he, he won to the, Hollywood. He won the Jimmy Awards. Um, and if you don't know what it is, Google it. I don't give a fuck explaining it. So he won the. But if you do know what it is, Google his performance at the Jimmy Awards because okay. he was fucking brilliant. Really. And and then he became the first teenager to play a teenager on Broadway in Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, uh, but he, he he's a good kid. He's not a he's he's a very good boy. Uh, during all of this, he was accepted to Harvard. Wow! So you know, That's it's amazing. Yeah, I, I don't I, I haven't been involved with him, so I don't know. You know, I yeah. watch him, but I'm not in touch with him. Yeah, which is a, you know as it should be. But uh, I'm very happy for him. And, and oh, and, definitely. He was always the kid that was like that one kid that you just knew there was something yeah. different about this kid. But I've never, uh, you know, with all the hundreds of kids I've worked with, I've never experienced something like this. With this, this, he's in a fucking movie playing opposite Jennifer Lawrence. Um, that's amazing. That's his movie. That's his movie debut. Yeah. Is he was yeah so I'm very I'm very excited and I'm very excited to see the movie. I may even go to a theater, but it would either be a very early matinee or a very late night performance. I don't <laughs> want to be in the room with anybody who sneezes or coughs. Fair enough. Uh, what did I say the name of the movie was? No hard feelings. No hard feelings. Okay, we'll keep that in mind. It just open. It just he's. It's opening now, like the, his social media and, and the, his friends who were also the kids that were with him in the shows right. that I did are all posting about, the, you know, he, it's him on a red carpet, it's him going into a, a, a movie premiere, it's all of these kids, I call them my Elizabeths, all of my Elizabeths at a movie premiere. 
you know, it's just an amazing thing. So cool. Yeah, uh, no hard feelings. We now move on to our next segment. God, Karen, you are so stupid. So stupid. Yes, it's time for some stupid people. So stupid. And we've got a good one this week. He's a running for president in the uh, Democratic uh, Party. Oh, is this Kennedy? Yes, it is. We're talking about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He can't put his foot far enough down his throat. Well, he continues to do oh. so, and I'm going to enlighten some people. This, this, I know there's a lot of talk in the media lately saying how he's getting support from tech companies and all this other stuff, and it's like... But this man is also a noted conspiracy theorist, theorist and anti-vaccine activist, you know? So, uh, it seems that recently he said... This was concerning mass shootings. He said, prior to the introduction of Prozac, we had almost none of these events in our country, and we've never seen them in human history, where people walk into a schoolroom of children or strangers and start shooting people. He said this to, of course, Elon Musk in an interview. So Prozac is the reason. Yes. But then they did up some videos at, uh, of interviews he made in the 2010s, I guess. And uh, this is what he had to say about uh, transgender people. He said, A lot of the problems we see in kids, and particularly boys, it's probably underappreciated that how much of that is coming from chemical exposures, including a lot of the sexual dysphoria that we're seeing. He claimed that kids are swimming through a soup of toxic chemicals, including atrazine, a common herbicide, according, right. to, the, according right. to the national... What? Okay, hold on. Yes. So chemicals are making kids gay. Yes. Especially boys. Well, they're making them uh, have gender sexual dys dysphoria. Okay, so... So, when you said swimming through a sea, was that a meant to be... A soup of toxic chemicals. Was that meant to be, like, literally a pool? Or is that, like... Well, he's talking a lot about... The environment itself. Well, he's talking, he talks a lot about this herbicide called atrazine. And what he cites is, there was a study performed some time ago on the effects of atrazine on frogs where the frogs, as a result of the exposure to the atrazine, were changing gender. So, of course, he's saying, oh, this can happen to you and your kids. Well, frog physiology is a little bit different than human physiology. And the, the, the researchers have said that, no, it, that doesn't cause this kind of stuff and does not change your DNA, does not change human DNA. What if, so, so I'm thinking, if I was born a boy... Yes, and I was exposed to atrazine. Yes. That my penis would fall off and I would become a woman. Like, is that the kind of thing we're talking about? Like, to change genders? Well, like he's that? saying that because of exposure to uh, this atrazine or any other chemicals, it's causing children to experience uh, sexual or gender dysphoria, which is leading to transgenderism. Okay. That's his, that's his belief. So the road to transgenderism isn't even paved yet. Like, we're just now coming upon that. Like, what the fuck, you stupid idiot? Oh, he gets more stupid. Because he also said back then, this is about AIDS. There's a lot of people that said it's not a virus. The virus is a passenger virus. And these people are dying mainly because of poppers. 100% of the people who died in the first thousand with AIDS were people who were addicted to poppers, which are known to cause Kaposi sarcoma in rats. And they were people who were part of a gay lifestyle where they were burning the candle at both ends. Okay. Well, he's talking about being pig roasted or split roasted. So I don't even... 
Poppers? Poppers. Stop. Can you imagine? Poppers causing AIDS. Stop. It's like, shut up. Just shut the fuck up. It's just so stupid. And how anyone can take this man seriously about anything, let alone running for president, is now, beyond this me. Now, is, this is Bobby's son? Yes, this is Robert F. Kennedy's son. The, the one named for him. Yep. Wow. Maybe it came from Ethel's side. I don't know what side it's coming from, but he's talking out his backside. That's for fucking sure. Well, do we know what the rest of the Kennedys are saying about this? Like, Oh, they're, they try to those that are still alive. disassociate themselves from him. He has a sister. He, well, there's eight of them. Aren't yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, there's quite a few of them. Kerry. I don't know them all. I don't keep track. Oh, there was one named Kerry. But yeah, I think they mostly avoid him. Okay. So. Wow. To Robert F. Kennedy Jr., we say. Stupid! You're so stupid! How old is he? I don't know. I'm interested. You go look that up. And while you're looking that up, we're going to move on to our next category. Raindrops on roses. Whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. I don't think you fully understand or appreciate. The fucking thunder? No. Her enunciation and the different forms and shapes her mouth has to take. Yes. It's like a workout. I fully appreciate some of the forms and shapes one's mouth has to take. It's because you're a pig. Thank you. RFK Jr.? RFK Jr. Because the other FK Jr. is dead. Anyway, we're now moving on to five faves. Oh, he's old. How old is he? Well, he's 69 years old. Good. That's good to know. Let's stick with five faves now, okay? Five faves. Yes. In today's category, being that today is summer solstice... You were asked to name your five favorite summer movies. Summer movies. Movies that occurred in the summertime. Yeah. Movies that occurred in the summertime. How much fun is this topic? It's one of those weird things where, like, I could think of a thousand, but my my mind won't stop on one. Like, okay. I, okay, I see the beach in a couple of... But then I asked you before, and you said this is about a calendar summer. It has to happen during, during the, the summer. summer. Yes. It can't just be a nice sunny place. No. It has to be during the summer. Yes. And and specifically, the, like, the summer. The summer's a big deal. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to say In the Heights. In the Heights. Good choice there. That takes place during the summertime. It does. July 4th to be exact. Excellent choice. Fun movie. I love that it's movie. Great movie. That, just the whole opening sequence alone is great. Gee, oh, just And you know how I feel about that piece as written in to, I know. from the very beginning. So. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Good choice. Heights. Good choice. For my first choice, it's probably the summer movie of summer movies and one of the best movies of all time. You're going to say Jaws. I'm going to say Jaws. It's so predictable. <laughs> I had to say Jaws. I mean, it's How could of, I not say Jaws? It'll eventually be on my list because I can't think of anything else. I mean, but it is the ultimate summer movie. Do you know what's the original blockbuster? That was. That Jaws was the original was blockbuster. The original blockbuster. Yep. Yes, you know, like, blockbuster has an absolute meaning. It's a line that goes so long that it crosses a street. And hence a blockbuster. And it's a blank. Or, or it goes like the movies, the line for that movie, the lines for that movie were so long, they stretched around, they went completely around city blocks, okay. across the street. Uh, it was incredible. Cool. Blockbuster. Blockbuster. The first one. Good to know. Jaws. It's a creepy-ass movie, man. 
Well, it's a mystery movie. It's a horror movie. It's a buddy movie. Why does that shark have such a hatred for the people of this town? He doesn't. Of course he does. He He's feeding where the food is. He keeps coming back to the same. Didn't you listen to Richard Dreyfuss' character during the during the movie when he talks about talks about territoriality? Territoriality. Yes. I know. I missed that. I guess you did. That was where I was getting. You go back and watch the movie now. God damn it! I pop one. (laughs) So what's your second choice? I'm trying to think. Uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Ooh. Not about the summer, but it, it doesn't. Happens. Well, it takes most of it takes place it in takes the summer. Place during the, the summer. trial, the trial yeah. and everything takes right. place in the summertime. Right, right, right. It's in the summertime. I just watched actually a scene from. We watched the, the scene from the trial the other night on uh, Turner Classic Movies. I love it. It was movie. on, and the whole scene where after the verdict comes in and he's found guilty, and everyone leaves the courtroom, and it's just. Gregory Peck there, Zach is Finch, picking up his files and stuff. And all the black people in the town are up in the rafters because it's separated or segregated. And they all stand in front of him as he exits. And they tell Scout, you stand up because your father's walking Your father's passing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Great, great moment in that movie. Yeah, I don't know if it's a summer movie because it's not about the summer, but it happens in the summer. It pops into my head. That's my number two. No, I think it's a good choice. All right, good. Definitely. My number two choice is the film Stand By Me. Oh. Have you seen that, I'm sure? I have. Directed by Rob Reiner. I saw it once. I love Rob Reiner. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they find a dead body. Yeah, good film. The film reminded me, even though, of my own like little trips and adventures me and the neighborhood kids would take through the woods and areas around here in Farmingdale and stuff back then in the 60s. Yeah. Of course, we never found a dead body. No, but I, I, like, I still look. <laughs> like when I take a highway exit, I always look to see if there's a body. Yeah. But yeah, stand by me. Okay. What's your number three choice? My number three choice for summer specific movies, I suppose, would have to be Fire Island. Ah, the recent movie that came out on Netflix. It counts. There were no dates involved. No, it it counts. It was during the summertime. That's when the island's open. That's fire in the summertime. Okay, that's acceptable. Okay, good. Okay. Getting past this one by the skin of my sack. <laughs> Number three for me is Dazed and Confused. Okay. Takes place on the last day of school in 1976 in Texas. Is that the summertime? Yes, it is. Are you sure? Yes, I am. School ends in the summertime? Yes, it does. Not the springtime? Nope. Almost always ends in the summertime, right at the beginning of summer. Okay. Yeah. Great film. Have you ever seen that film? No. Oh, it's great. It's about all the, about the senior class, and it's the, you know, the first day of getting out of school and everything. But that's like, is Grease a summer movie? No, because it mostly takes place during school. During the school year? Yes. Days and Refuse takes place after school after ends. After the school And year. it's the summertime. Okay. So that's why it's in there. Fun movie. Reminded me of... Old days back in high school. Okay. Parties out in the woods. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> so what's your number four choice? By the railroad tracks. Yeah, we always... No, we didn't go by the railroad tracks. We didn't have to. We... Uh, yeah. Well, it depends on where we were, but, like, there was a wooded area by the railroad tracks. Yeah. Uh, in Albertson. Okay. That... Yeah. <laughs> she went down. Uh, I bet it did. Oh, God, it did. <laughs> couple of areas. One was like a fucking open field on Hillside Avenue. Like, not Hillside Avenue. 
whatever it was. Anyway, um, uh, your number four choice. Number four choice for a movie that happens in the summertime. I am going to go with Cat on a Nope Wheelchair Named Desire. <laughs> Sorry, Streetcar Named Desire. <laughs> I knew it was wrong when I said it, but I couldn't think of it. A wheelchair named Desire. Wheelchair named Desire. We're starring Marlon Brando. And, uh, as the wheelchair. As the wheelchair. Uh, what's his name? Is that Ernest Walkdown? Who was um, Who was the guy? Who's the other guy? Carl Walden. Carl Walden. Carl Walden with the nose and. Some woman. A wheelchair named Desire. What was her name? Who, who, who played? Vivian Lee. Vivian Lee. Yeah, she played Blanche Dubois. Yeah, that happened in it the summertime. It means white wood. I know because he was sweating the entire time. And he was wearing a white t-shirt and he was very thick and beautiful and the most Marlon Brando, that Marlon Brando ever Marlon Brandoed. Yes. Was that movie. Yes, it was. It happened in the summertime. Yes, it did. It was hot. It was very hot. My number four choice is a movie called The Way Way Back. It was made about, I think, about 10 years ago. It's like it's a coming-of-age story about this awkward kid, and his mother has his boyfriend, played by Steve Carell, who's a real dick to him the whole time. And he inadvertently ends up getting a job at this water park and works with Sam Rockwell. I love Sam Rockwell. Me too, one of my favorite actors. And like I say, it's a coming-of-age story. It reminded me when I used to work at Adventureland here in Farmingdale. Would you be upset if you didn't get to see his dick in a fucking movie the same way with Michael Fassbender? <laughs> Just because Michael Fassbender's dick is reputedly the size of a four-year-old? <laughs> no, it's not. It's supposed to be huge. Fast, a four-year-old. A whole four-year-old. Oh, the size of a four-year-old. Is that not a big enough dick for you? <laughs> I thought you meant the size of a four-year-old's dick. And I that's like, got to no. be that's got to be seventy-five pounds right there. <laughs> well, maybe a fat four-year-old. <laughs> How big a four-year-old? Thirty pounds? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't weighed one recently. I could tell you how big a shepherd is supposed to get, but a, a four-year-old human, I have no idea. I can tell you how much a Gascon Saint-Angelois weighs. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you that right now. But a four-year-old human, I have no idea. So what is your fifth and final choice? We're still playing this game, huh? Yes. Okay, movies. Movies in the summer. Movies about the summer. Movies focused on the summer. Okay. Dirty Dancing. Bam! About fucking time he came up with something. Dirty Jesus dancing. Christ. Summer in the Catskills. Summer in the Catskills. That's exactly right. Uh, and the camp counselor? The bad boy. Ooh, the bad boy. The bad boy. Johnny Castle. Johnny. Was that his name? Johnny I think it's, yeah, Johnny Castle. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a gay name for that. It's such a gay movie. Come on. But he's not supposed to be gay. No, of course not. Which is part of the gayness of the movie. Exactly. But when you name him Johnny Diamond. No, no. Johnny Castle. Johnny Castle. Yes. And, no, it's too gay. But yeah, Dirty Dancing. Dirty yeah. Dancing. That's a big deal. Though. Okay, it's a good choice. It's a good movie. Yes, it is. It's yeah, a very good movie. Cultural phenomenon. Yes, it was. I, I remember when I came out. I saw it in the theater. Swaying that ass back and forth. <laughs> Jennifer <laughs> Grey with her first nose. Yes. <laughs> the OG. The OG nose. My fifth and final choice, it has to be a tie. Because they're two movies and they're made by the same director, but they're both good summer movies by Spike Lee. Do the Right Thing, and The Summer of Sam. Okay. Because there are two movies, I think, where you really feel the grittiness of summer in the city. 
Well, certainly Summer of Sam. Yes, which is not... A, it's, it's an alright movie. I wouldn't say it's a great movie. Do the Right Thing is a great movie, which I've talked about before here on the podcast. But And that takes place, that movie, on the hottest... Supposedly on the hottest day of the summer, okay. according to that movie. But like I said, it, both of those movies, you feel that you feel the summer in those movies. Yeah, I hate that. There's that scene in um, in the Heights. Yes, ninety six thousand. They're in the pool. Right. Oh God, I hate that because <laughs> I know exactly how high it is. I know exactly how <coughs> disgusting that pool is. You know, oh, hey, oh, hey, vase mia. Pool. Who does that? Lots of people. Pools. God, it's like gross. The only thing worse... Most of them have chlorine in them, you know. The only thing worse is a hot tub. Well, that's a different story. That's like... That's a breeding ground for bacteria and stuff. That's people's soup. That is just (laughs) disgusting. But pools are fun. Yes. No. Yes. (laughs) No. They're gross. You got a pool that just for me? Okay. I don't want no kid in there... You know, no... Any pool toys allowed? For me. Oh, just for you. Whatever pool toys I want. Are dogs allowed in the pool with you? Yes. Oh, okay, but no humans. No humans. Okay. No humans. (laughs) Good luck with that. Because they're gross. (laughs) Humans are gross. We now move on to our next segment. Get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Yes, it's time for the Grumpy Old Game and Gripe of the Week. Gross humans. Gross humans? Humans are gross. There's always something peeling or falling off or growing or, or like, uh, they're just gross. Always yeah, but I'll of, bet 30 years ago when you were young rusty. and hung and on the prowl, you weren't worrying about crusty, scaly, melting, peeling bodies. I was not. No, you were not. No, I was not. So you really, that truly is a grumpy old gay man gripe of the week. Yeah, and it's about this week. <laughs> yeah, um, Did you have an occasion where you came into contact with a physical body of someone that grossed you out? In the past week? Yes. In the past decade? In the past week. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. What I can remember? I just saw something that maybe had triggered this. No, but it's it's... It's true and it's real. No, the people are just gross. Okay. They're sneezing and the coughing and the the picking and the scratching and the toes and it's just gross. People are just people are just gross. People are gross. Yeah. Do they wipe their ass? Like, what are you what are you bringing into this pool right now? Like, do you wash your hands? It's a pool of toxic chemicals. It's, it's you know and poop and pee. You know and no blood. Spit. Oh, God. No. No. So, gross people. Gross people. Thank you. That's my gripe of the week. My gripe of the week is people don't read. People don't read. No, they don't. They don't read anything. You can't get them to read text messages, for God's sake. No. You can't get them to read emails. I don't read your text messages. And See? See? We know, because you sent me a message today. Too long, didn't read. Yeah. And I was like... And this is the problem with America today. Yeah. We don't read anymore. We're too busy banning books instead of reading them. That's true. That's a good quote right there. Right? Too bu- That's like a sign. <laughs> We're too busy. Ba- or, or read books. Don't ban them. Yeah. It's so easy. You got to fit on a sign. Um, that's what I mean. I mean, I, when, I, I, when I see these stories about book bans, I laugh. Because, as you know, I last, well, last Friday was Bloomsday. 
which is the annual celebration of the book Ulysses, which takes place on one day, June 16th. And if people knew what was in that book, they would be asking to have it banned. Because there's a chapter in the book where the lead character is masturbating while looking at a 15-year-old girl on the beach who knows she's being observed and sort of plays into it. Okay. But the way this chapter is written, you'd have a hard time discerning that because okay. it's James Joyce. Yeah, that's annoying. So, that's what I mean. If people read, that book would be on the top of book ban lists, you know? I well, good for you. You just... Now I gave him something to look exactly for. exactly right. <laughs> Those bitches ain't going to be reading the Ulysses. No kidding, please. No, no. So, no, yeah, so, but it's yeah. just... Book bins. I, I get on board with that. But I'm just... The fact that no one reads anymore is just... It's really sad. I think it's affecting theater attendance. Because people aren't exposed to theater culture anymore. Fucking COVID. Well, that didn't help either, of course. But, yeah, people, they need to start reading again. That's, that's too my expensive. Gripe. That's the problem with theater. It's too expensive. It doesn't have to be. It kind of does. You can go to local theater. You don't yeah, have to go to Broadway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. But even that, you know, the cost to produce or to, to host, or to, uh, it's expensive. I know. But still, yeah. people need to read. I agree with the reading. We're, we're losing a lot. I think uh, cell phones should be banned from bathrooms. Because I think if you're in the bathroom, you should read. I think they should be banned from schools. If you... No. no how are we going to get video of the shooter? No. We can't ban this. No. No, you're wrong. But from bathrooms, because... And I tell this to kids, to casts. Not just kids. To casts all the time. Bring a script to the bathroom with you, because... You're in the right position. You have nothing else to do. The lighting is good. There's no reason why you shouldn't go over your lines while you poop. Oh, my God. That's my advice to you about this whole Shakespeare thing. I'll remember that. I bet you're sitting on that porcelain thing a couple of times a day. No, no. I'm usually sitting right here on my desk. Well, that's the problem. I spend an hour at a time. I have classical music playing in the background. No, that's the problem. And I work on memorizing my lines. No. you got to go somewhere else. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Even if you sit in the backyard. I've done that too. That's the best place to go. No, then that's not good either. (laughs) Anyway, we now come to the conclusion of this week's episode. And we may as well tell people now that next week will be our final episode for the season. We are taking a break for the summertime. Honey, you don't even know. But this summer, I'm going to be very busy between performing The Tempest... And then learning and starting rehearsals for another play right after that. So I am not going to have the time during the summer to devote to the podcast. Which is a crying fucking shame. Yes, it is. So what are you going to do? Did you, are you going to do what I said? Well, in the meantime, we will repost past episodes yes. of the podcast. Yes. I will also be trying to post uh, videos on Facebook and Twitter you know, during the summer, various things that I'm doing or whatever with Steven. Yeah, okay. Just to keep things active and visible. So you know, you know what I'm saying? Can we agree to my original idea, which was that I will send you homework every week? Oh, okay. Okay. And my idea was that I would send... Because every week I get a fucking text. Your homework this week is your five favorite fucking fucking fucks. So (laughs) I said, all right. So so for this summer break, which I'm all about, I'm going to send you a fucking uh, text. 
Okay. Your homework is, and I'm going to give you a single number. Okay. Between one and, what will it be, 90? Well, next week will be episode number 90. And that's the last one, right? For, for so, Yes. For the... I will send you a text with a single digit, with a single number in it. Okay. And it is that number episode. That I must that repost. That you must repost. I can do that. Excellent. <laughs> Are you happy now? I am. Because for, we should not have now no episodes. Of course not. There should be some episodes. Well, that's what I'm saying. I will be posting some video posts yeah, on yeah, Facebook yeah, and Twitter. Yeah. You know? Nobody cares about that shit, though. They want, oh, know, they don't? No, they want to hear me. <laughs> oh, really? Maybe they want to see you as well. Uh, no, I, and nobody wants to see you. Yes, me. they do. Which you know as well as I do, if you could figure out how to do this with me remotely... I wouldn't have to leave my house. <laughs> we could do it remotely, but it wouldn't be as much fun. Oh, yeah, okay. But just... anyway, next week for our final episode, we will have a special guest, Mr. Ernesto Wolfgang. Is he going to bring his dog? I am assuming he will be bringing Arthur with him. Because I th I'm thinking of bringing Louis. Oh! Just because... There'll be a canine fiesta here. There will be chaos. Oh, mass chaos. With all three chaos dogs here? fucking fiesta here. Um, Abigail will go hide somewhere. That's what she'll do. You think so? <laughs> oh, I know her. Unless she's seen that the dogs are getting too much attention from either me or Steven. Now, and then me, she'll go nuts. How should we do this? Like, should we meet in the backyard first? Usually when we have someone bring a dog over, we say, go out in the backyard first, get together out there, get to know each other. That's maybe what we should do. Maybe we'll do that then. So that'll okay. be next week's episode. Because he's going to be really big compared to, like, Abigail. Of course. He's going to be, like... Fucking Gulliver. Oh my god! To fucking yeah, but he's used. To, well, he's a little squeamish now around big dogs. Ever since he got bit a couple of years ago. Arthur, no, uh, Abigail. Uh, but that's the thing. Louis not a big dog. Okay, it's just, but he's bigger than her. He's bigger than her. And that will be enough to make her a little apprehensive. Okay, I think they'll remember each other. They may, you know, by sense. I'm uh, hoping that's how they usually remember each other. I would assume it's the only way they. Your dogs in their sense. Yes. What are you looking at over there? I was just checking the calendar to let people know that we will be recording then our returning episode on Wednesday, September 6th and releasing it on Friday, September 8th. If I'm available. If you're available. I may have a tech week. Oh, might you? I don't think so. Okay, you check your calendar and you let me know. Yeah, my calendar's busy, you know? I know, you're a very busy man. I, I'm uh, high in demand. You're certainly high. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can argue. But in the meantime, don't forget, you can find all our episodes plus our bonus material at www.grumpyoldgaymenandtheirdogs.com. And you can follow us on daily on Facebook and on Twitter. How about Truth Social? Truth Social? You should totally get an account on Truth Social. Oh, no, I don't want to be on that. No, thank you. No, thank you. Think of the lives we can change. Uh, no, I, no, no, let them all. Think of the people who need to hear our message, your <laughs> message, because really I'm just a vessel. <laughs> uh, think of all those people who need to hear. I don't think they want to hear from us. Not us, you. <laughs> oh, from me. What from about me. you? No, I got nothing to say. Oh, yeah, you have nothing to say, right. Say goodbye. On that note, we'll say have a good night, have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next time. Bye, bitches. <laughs>